You're listening to the Blended Family Podcast, a weekly show with a strong focus on strategies and methods to help your family thrive. Blended families face many difficulties and challenges, which can sometimes drive families apart. The goal of this podcast is to help your blended family grow together through these challenges to create the peaceful and loving home you desire. Here is your host, Melissa. Hi, everyone. You're listening to episode 109 of the Blended Family Podcast. I have a great interview for you today about discipline, and I know it's something that many of you struggle with. Recently, there were some posts in the Facebook group about it, and my guest has so much valuable information to share, and I really think you're going to be able to take away a lot from this conversation. Before we dive in, I just wanted to let you know that I am still doing family interviews, which are just short conversations between me and you about your blended family. The last one we did was episode 107, if you want to go back and check it out to see if it's something you'd like to do. If so, just shoot me an email, melissa at blendedfamilypodcast.com with interview in the subject line, and I can send you all the information you need. And I am also making room in my schedule for coaching sessions through the next few months. So if that is something you want, there is a coaching page on the website, or you can just go to blendedfamilypodcast.com slash schedule, and it will walk you through the scheduling process. If you aren't sure whether or not coaching is for you, send me an email and maybe we can chat about what your needs and concerns are to see if it would be a good fit for you. And that is all. I really hope you enjoy this interview. Hello, I'd like to welcome Casey O'Rourke to the show. Casey is a wife, mother, certified positive discipline trainer, and ICF certified coach. Casey facilitates parents in how to build stronger, more authentic relationships with themselves and the children in their lives. She encourages grown-ups to recognize and embrace the challenges of parenting as opportunities to model, teach, and practice the skills we want our children to learn to embody. Casey lives in the Pacific Northwest with her husband, 13-year-old daughter, and 11-year-old son. Casey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. We have so much to talk about. I'd like to start with you telling us a little bit about yourself and your family and your journey to get where you are today. Sure. I, so let's see, where do I start? So, well, one thing that applies to the theme of your podcast, I am the oldest daughter of a blended family. I was raised by a mom, a stepdad, a dad and a stepmom. I have um, one brother that I share the same parents with, and then a sister, we share the same mom, and another brother and sister that share the same dad. And it's so interesting because I remember being in it and being a kid and not, there was no difference between, you know, the full brothers, the half siblings. It was just, this was just what our family looked like. That was our normal. And now, and it's funny because my husband, who I met as I was finishing college and um, we've been together a long time and he and I both come from the same kind of family structure. He has half siblings and full siblings and step parents. And so we both came from those same kinds of family structures. And now we've been together for 20 years, which is so weird. Wow. <laughs> it's so long. Um, and we have two kids. And so our children are having a different kind of experience. Um, when I had my daughter, I had been a school teacher 
for five years and I figured, oh, you know what? Parenting, it's not really going to be that hard for me because I have so much knowledge in child development and I work with kids and kids love me. And, um, you know, and it all went pretty well until I had my son and then things got a little funky and I realized, oh, wow, there's actually a lot to learn here. Um, and that's when I found positive discipline. And that was in 2007. The kids were, I think, one and three. And um, I was really, uh, really kind of drowning in the in the parenting gig, it just, I was having a really hard time with connecting with my daughter as I tried to, you know, was full mama bear around my, my baby son. And it just was really, really out of alignment. And so going and doing the positive discipline training not only changed the dynamic in my home, but it also completely inspired me and motivated me to teach the same class to um, members of my community. So, you know, now it's however many years later. That's great. And I can't wait to hear more about that. You know, I was perusing your website. And by the way, for the listeners, Casey and I found one another in a Facebook podcasting group that we both belong to. But anyway, there aren't a whole lot of parenting podcasts like ours. And what I mean by that is that we both focus on growth and mindfulness and a positive parenting style. Now, of course, the difference between our shows is that mine is about all about blended families, whereas yours encompasses all of parenting. So can you tell us a little bit more about your show? What type of topics do you cover and what the overall focus is over at the Joyful Courage podcast? Yeah, totally. So Joyful Courage is the name of my business. And um, I landed on it because I really believe that it takes an enormous amount of courage to be a parent, especially a parent who's willing to turn our lens inward and really look at who we are and how we are showing up to relationship with our children. And because sometimes that can be, well, it can be kind of humbling, can't it, when we realize like, oh, I'm actually part of the problem here. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the show, you know, I had been doing the work for a long time and I love, I just love talking to people. And I found myself in a couple different, um, situations where I had amazing access to other parent educators. And I thought, wow, you know, it's all great to read, you know, the blogs, there's a million blogs to read, right? Especially in like the gentle, peaceful, positive parenting. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of us doing that work and and writing a lot of really great articles and they're catchy, right? Five tips for, you know, to take back bedtime or three ways to get your kids to sit at the table, you know, and there's these one, two punch kind of articles. And something that really started to bother me is I didn't really ever feel like you got to know the person behind the article or behind the blog. And I'm I'm a relationship person. I mean, that's really what it always boils down to in my conversation with parents and my conversations with parent educators. And I wanted to be in relationship with these voices in the parenting arena um, and display that relationship in a way that made these people ever more accessible and real and human 
to the parents that were listening. Um, so I was like, I'm on a podcast and, and you know, it's amazing to me much more often than not the people I reach out to say, sure, I'd love to be on your show. I've had some of my mentors on people that I've read and inspired me come on. And it's just, it's so fun and it's so real and authentic and it really lands for the listeners. And we talk about, you know, we, they're topic specific. So we've done, I've done shows around, you know, toddler tantrums. We've done shows around, um, engaging kids in the kitchen. We've talked about sleep issues. We've talked about teens and sexting and social media. We've talked about, I mean, I did one whole show around raising boys with Tasha short was a fabulous conversation. Um, conscious parenting. It's it, like you said, it really kind of encompasses all of it. But at the very heart, what's important to me is that we're talking about the very real relationships that we're in with our kids. Because I think that when we start to realize that our children are simply human beings making sense of the world with their very limited life experience, it, it takes the personal out of it and it helps us really embrace the idea that we are simply guides for them and they, they kids do the best they can with the tools they have. Um, and so any conversation that I'm in with, with parent educators or guests on my show, I really want to land that point over and over and over again. And I think for my listeners, you know, the more different, the variety of ways they can hear that same point, the more likely it is that they're going to start to really embrace that concept. And I think that makes the world a better place. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I love about the podcasting arena. And even though you're an expert in positive discipline, you really do talk about every facet of parenting on your show. Mm -hmm. So it's, mm -hmm. it's great. And we get to see your personality as well, not just those of your guests. So, and you, you You've got a really fun personality, I noticed. I've listened to a lot of your shows, and oh, I think it's great. You. So, Casey, you work with a lot of parents. What would you say is the biggest challenge among the people you work with? Is it the discipline, or is it something else? Well, let me, before we go there, I'm going to make a distinction, because I think that while I am trained in positive discipline, I think there's a misconception around um, what discipline is. And when you go way back to the root of the word discipline, discipline really means to teach. And I think it's gotten a really bad rap. And I think a lot of people, when they hear the word discipline, we need to discipline our kids. It really comes back to punishment. And in positive discipline, we, <laughs> there the word is again, um, we really veer away from punitive punishment as a way of teaching and instead look for where the kids are lacking in skills. So I just wanted to make that distinction, but also, you know, it's a variety of things that show up with parents, but I think the number one thing is we, you know, it's, it's really challenging for people to trust the process and to trust that we don't need to punish for our kids to learn new and different and more cooperative behavior. It's really difficult for parents to trust and this is something I say on my show a lot, that the relationship we're in with our kids is the most powerful tool we have for influencing their behavior. And um, because it's hard to trust that and we get into lots of fear around like, oh my gosh, you know, we go from, oh, my kid just stole a cookie out of the cookie jar too. He's going to go to prison, right? Okay. I mean, we make these crazy leaps and bounds or my daughter just put on a really small shirt. She's going to be a stripper, right? Like, <laughs> no, 
and I do it too. Like, I mean, that's the other thing about me and my show and my work is I'm, I'm in the weeds with everyone else raising my own kids. And so I'm living, I'm walking the talk when I'm walking the talk. And otherwise I'm also like projecting into the future, into the craziness as well, because that fear can creep in. And when we can recognize when we're there and really step back and Remember that social and emotional skills are learned over time with lots and lots of practice and that kids are going to make loads and loads of mistakes, not because they're naughty, not because they don't want to be cooperative, but simply because they're doing the work of learning this way of being, right? I mean, when you think about emotional overload that shows up for us as adults, whether it's in parenting or somebody cutting us off on the freeway or whatever, and how difficult it can be to navigate our emotions and then put yourself back in an eight-year-old body or a three-year-old body or a 16-year-old body and have that same level of emotional overload, but much less experience to navigate it. It makes perfect sense why there are times when our kids just can't show up well and they fall apart. Right. And it looks ugly sometimes. (laughs) Well, and thank you for making that distinction. And, you know, I think part of the problem, too, and I don't know if you'd agree with me, is the fact that, you know, you and I and everybody listening grew up in such a different way when it came to discipline um, or, you know, punishment or whatever. It was just it looked so different than it looks these days. Would you agree with that? Totally. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, yes, yes and no. I think there's I think there's if you look, I mean, in my experience, because, and probably yours too, because of what we do, I feel like every time I turn around, somebody's talking about peaceful, well, on the internet, not so much in my community, in my community, like in real life, I see a lot of punitive response to behavior. Mm. Um, Growing up, I was grounded a lot. (laughs) I was grounded a lot. I was yelled at a lot. um, And I'm okay. And it's interesting to see because of that, because of that model, I mean, that model lives inside of me. So part of my motivation for what I do is that I want to counteract that punitive model um, and just do something that's different and and ever more more effective, right? I think that my kids can be fine and not hang, you know, and not have these like negative patterns and self-talk that showed up because of some of the situations that I was in, that doesn't have to be a part of their story. They get other self-talk. I'm sure they'll need therapy, but you know, (laughs) (laughs) well, so you've, you've kind of explained to us what positive discipline means. Now you're a certified positive discipline trainer. So tell us Mm -hmm. what that means. Yeah. So, um, back in 2007, I went through, it's just a two and a half. I love that you asked this question. Um, a two and a half day training. And these trainings happen all over the world, all over the country, all over the world. And it's a parent educator training. And, um, basically at the end of the two days, you have everything you need to start teaching classes. Um, and for someone like me, I live out in a small town and I was like, right on, I'm doing it. I invited my friends over. I said, you just have to promise to come every Monday for seven weeks. So I can kind of stumble through this curriculum buy the book and, you know, bring your kids. And we had a homeschool boy watching all the toddlers. It was kind of mayhem, but it allowed me to get through the curriculum. And then I just started teaching. And after, um, I think it was about five years, my kids got a little bit older and my mentor, um, who had taught me suggested that I go through, uh, 
that I go through an advanced training. And what the advanced training allowed for was um, I now get to teach people to teach the class. Mm. So if anyone wants to hire me to come to their community and do the two-day training, I'm for hire. Um, and and then the training that ends up, you know, training parent educators, I also get to work with teachers, classroom teachers. So I'm also certified to teach positive discipline in the classroom, which is a um, classroom leadership model that focuses on using class meetings to create a really authentic, organic learning opportunity for kids to practice social and emotional character development tools that the teachers are in, you know, that the teachers roll out over the course of, you know, six to eight weeks, and then the kids get to solve real life problems using their skills. It's that's awesome. wonderful. I am glad I asked that question because I didn't know any of that. That's, that's really, really great. Yeah. Gosh, I have so many questions around all of this. Oh my gosh. Okay. So <laughs> first, because I know people might be thinking this, Casey, let's say you've made some mistakes and it seems you've lost control over the kids. Maybe when it comes to discipline, they feel like they lost the battle. Is it ever mm-hmm. too late to start? I imagine the sooner you begin, the better, but what would you say to those who have older children or even young children that seem to be out of control? I would say that the window never closes okay. ever and um, ever. Like even if you're thinking about your own relationship with your parents, you know, I think that there's always space um, for making amends and collaborating on a shared vision and moving forward. And I really think at the very base of positive discipline, that's what it's about. And it's based um, on the theory of Alfred Adler, who was one of the first social psychologists at the beginning of the 1900s. And he, his work led him to a theory that is based in the idea that human behavior is motivated and inspired by our sense of belonging and significance. Mm. And what happens is we all look through our own individual lenses, right? So where I am a mom to two kids, or maybe I'm a parent in a blended family, right? In a newly blended family. And I'm feeling like, oh, you know, this is so great. And we, everybody's feeling the love here. Well, then the, you know, the youngest daughter who before the marriage no, let's think. My youngest daughter, who before the marriage was the youngest, now there is an, another child who's younger than her. She's looking through her youngest child lens, and she's thinking, well, wait a minute. I'm the baby, right? What? What's this? What's going on here? How do I fit in this, in this family system if I'm no longer the baby? And because kids are great perceivers, they're really bad interpreters. So in her mind, it makes perfect sense to think, okay, I've got to come back to this sense of belonging. So maybe if I act more like the baby, if I get clingy, if I regress in some of my behaviors, maybe that will take me back to the sense of knowing who I am within this structure. And so what looks like misbehavior to the parents is actually a child's misinterpretation about how she fits. And so as we know, right, in those moments, it's really difficult to recognize like, oh, you must not, you know, you must just want to belong, right? Instead, it's like, what is going on? Why are you so clingy? Like, enough with the whining. Use your words, right? Which is just furthering, further distancing that child. So I think that 
um, I kind of lost my train of thought, but I something to remember with all of this is um, coming back to that sense of belonging and significance. So even if it, our kids are older, if we've recognized like, wow, I have really done a number on my relationship with my child. How do I, how do I get, you know, get back on the path? I'd say the first thing to do is to just own it, you know, and especially with your adolescents and your teens, man, they want to keep it real and they can see through the BS. So if you're going to sit down and if you're going to say to them, listen, it has been tense and I've really, I recognize that I've made a lot of mistakes and I'm sorry. It's not okay for me to treat you the way I've been treating you. And I would like to start again. So that is really, really good news. Parents out there listening, it doesn't matter if things started out on the wrong foot, you can still turn things around. So Casey, yeah, that how was my this... really long answer? To no, that. no, no. I got, I got you. And that was, that was actually really interesting. Some of the stuff that you said in there, I really like it, but, but yes, you did, you did bring it all back, which is all that matters. So, so how does it work? Are there steps to follow or what kinds of tools need to be implemented with positive discipline? Um, well, you know, there is a huge library of positive discipline books. Um, it is actually a program that was written and designed by a woman named Jane Nelson, who's an incredible human being. Um, and she's got, you know, there's positive, you know, there's just straight positive discipline and that kind of takes you through all the steps. But I think that one thing that's really important to keep in mind is positive discipline is more about how we be and less about what we do. Okay. And so it's a mindset shift, right? And it is it's an invitation for us to be really aware of what we are bringing to relationships. So that's one piece, right? So just take pausing and recognize, you know, taking the time to kind of look at yourself and the ways that maybe our lens, because we all have lenses too, is getting in the way of relationship with our kids. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, to just simply start, you know, I mean, thinking about starting to look through the lens of belonging, starting to kind of take inventory and getting really curious with our kids. Um, and asking them, one of my favorite positive discipline tools is uh, when we make agreements with our kids. And it starts off, you know, and, and for example, I was just working with a client around this and screen time and her son and it felt out of control. And so the first step with that was to ask, you know, tell me about screen time. What are you noticing about screen time? And, you know, he shares about, well, you're always on my case and da, 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 whatever he shares. And we get to be non-judgmental. We get to not take it personally. We have asked the question and now we just get to gather information. And, and what we're doing is we're starting to see out of our children's eyes. Right. As much as we can, right? And we start to get a little bit broader perspective around their experience. I think this is so important and so powerful because we're so quick to decide how they feel or why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, any, I mean, I'm sure like any conversation you have with parents, it's, they're very quick to be like, oh, well, my kid just wants attention or yeah, they feel like, you know, da, 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 da. We have all sorts of assumptions. We make assumptions all the time about how our kids feel and think. And it's 
you know, and some of the times we're right, but very rarely do we actually check in to see if, (laughs) if we're right. And then we move from that place of assumption, which is the mistake because, you know, it's, it's just not helpful. So we ask them about their experience and then we get to say, well, this is how I'm experiencing screen time. And we get to just be very factual. Like, I don't, I don't like being the police. It feels out of control and I need your help. And then together, you get to brainstorm some ideas about what a screen time agreement could look like. And this is where we get to flex our flexibility muscles, where we get to flex our listening muscles, and we get to let go of having control. We get to share it. That's the hard part, isn't it? Letting go of the control. But I love what you said there with listening to the kids and not making assumptions. And I think especially in a blended family, we kind of, they don't really have a choice in all this, right? We kind of decide that we're going to form this new family. They don't really have a say. And we just assume that they're okay with everything. And we don't check in with them to even ask them how they feel about it. Not that they should be the ruler of what we do, but you're right. I mean, if they are having behavioral issues, it is important to listen to them and, and find out what is the issue because they might have a lot of opinions about things and that we are just not hearing because we don't want to. Right. And it's, and we're real quick to, well, it's that we don't want to, but it's also that it just doesn't, it's not on our radar. Yeah. I think we're a culture that is so self-centered and I don't say that in a judgy way. I just say that we're all taking things so personally and making everything all about us. When, I mean, my daughter is now trained to look right at me and say, mom, this is not about you. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> How and old I, is she? She is, She's, she will be 14 yeah. in January. And sometimes <laughs> I'm really graceful with that information. And sometimes I am not. Sometimes that's an ouch. Yeah. But it's, it. but it's true, you know, and that's where I get to be courageous. Yeah. That, that moment is where I get to be courageous because it's really easy to meet a teenager who says this is not about you with the same level of snark, the same level of emotion, and that just escalates whatever the challenges that we're working through. Yeah. Right. So I get to be courageous. I get to let that go and take a deep breath and feel my feet on the floor. You talked about how we both kind of have this mindfulness yeah. piece in our parenting, and this is exactly when we get to practice it. And that sounds like a real teaching moment, doesn't it? When our children say something and it's like, a light bulb and you realize that that is a teaching moment for myself. Oh yeah. So that's great. All right. Well, let's shift a little bit. I want to get a little bit deeper with the family meetings. I talk about it on my show because I know the importance of it, but I also know that it's something that you focus on. So can you tell us the best way to establish these meetings and also tell us a little bit about how we should structure them? Yes, I would love to. And so I so I'm just, I'll share with you what the positive discipline family meeting looks like and it's the structure that we've used for the last I don't even know how many years 8 years and um and have I've just found it really really helpful and um the, the way that it looks is we start off with a round of compliments which is everybody giving everyone at the table a compliment including themselves love that now I Yep. And I know with blended families, a lot of times there are many people in the family. So I've worked with lots of different um, families who have done all sorts of things to kind of tweak and modify and make it work because, you know, everyone at the table gets a compliment, including you, and there's eight people at the table. That gets a little lengthy and you don't want, you start losing people. So, you know, 
the idea is you want to set the tone as one of connection and, you know, loving and playful and appreciative, right? So you do the compliments and then you get to, if you need to, you get to check in on any agreements that were made the previous week. So, oh, hey, how is that chores routine working out? Seems good to me. Yeah, it's good. Okay, great. Moving on to a new problem if there's a new problem on the agenda. And so whoever wrote the problem down gets to share. And then everyone at the table gets to chime in about a solution. And then that person, you know, depending on if it's a family problem or if it's an individual problem, um, you know, you might pick the solution by consensus or that individual person gets to decide from the list that's been generated. Typically, we talk a lot about chores. <laughs> yeah. That is the, um, that's the, the ongoing conversation at our family meetings, which is fine because we've had a variety, you know, the, one of the tenets of positive discipline is being kind and firm at the same time, which is tricky. But when you think about firmness as being the expectation, right? So in this, in this scenario, the expectation is everybody will do, will help out and contribute this kindness. So that's the firmness that's respecting the situation, the family, mm -hmm. the kindness respecting the kids is how total freedom or as much freedom as works for you on how that, what that looks like. And so right now our routine is the kids pick one job a day to do either before or after school, and then they help out after dinner and they do that every day. Now we've kind of fallen, we, this beginning of this school year, it was really not happening. And so just a couple nights ago, we had a family meeting and we brought out a tool that we used last year that was really helpful, which was a clipboard and each day there was just kind of a checkoff. So the kids could see if they had done anything. It also serves as a reminder. Plus, it's something for me to glance at and know, are the kids showing up or aren't they? And the thing about it is, after a week, we get to say, is that helpful? Yes? No? Okay, if it's not helpful, well, what are we going to try the coming week that will be helpful? So it's not like, I'm keeping track, and if you don't do it, you are grounded. It's not like that. It's simply like we're looking for ways that are going to help everybody in this expectation around contribution. Okay. So, we, yeah, so we do the problem solving, and then we end the meeting with planning something fun to do together as a family. Um, we also talk in our family meetings, we've evolved it and we do, it's when we do allowance. Um, we talk about the weekly schedule. Sometimes we talk about um, meals and do meal planning. So, but that's the basic structure is the compliments, the problem solving, the planning something fun. Okay. And then the, the rollout is super important. Especially in, a, I would think, especially in a new blended family where everybody's still kind of, uh, you know, like feeling feeling out the space and how they fit, right? So if you're going to do, or, or or whatever, if even if you're not a new blended family but you're just starting this practice, what we suggest is the first couple weeks of family meetings are simply compliments and planning something fun because you want to get buy-in. Gotcha. And the first time we, when we started doing it, um, I totally got on my daughter's case immediately, like the very first meeting. And my husband even was like, oh, is this just going to be tell Rowan everything she's doing wrong meeting? 
And she, it took a year for me to convince her to do family meetings again. Cause she was like, no thanks. And she, I think was maybe six, five or six. Yeah. Yeah. Super nice mom. Um, and so we went back we just did the compliments and the plan something fun for a long time. And the younger your kids are, I'd say the more you want to do this. Right. And then after, once you kind of are feeling good about it, then you can introduce the idea of, um, the agenda and problem solving, but only the kids get to put problems on the agenda for a few weeks. And again, you're practicing, you're getting used to the routine and and it's buy-in and it's buy-in and it's buy-in. And then after a few weeks of that, then the grownups get to put things on the agenda. But this is just one place to solve problems as well. You know, there's lots of ways to solve problems, but the family meeting really becomes, if you know, if you do them regularly, it becomes the glue, right? And things start to feel wonky. And the first thing I think of is, oh, when was the last time we had a family meeting? Yeah. And sure enough, it's been a while. Well, that's well, I, I think it's important that everybody in the family has a voice. And that's why I like that idea, because, you know, the children, just as much as the parents, should be able to bring an issue to the family meeting and voice it in a safe space that's not judgmental. So that's why I recommend it. And uh, I know that's why you recommend it, too. I have a resource. Can I share it? Please. I have um, a family meeting email course, which is just a six week program. And it's just one email a week, but each email walks the parents through the process of the first meeting, the second meeting, the third meeting. And by the end of the six weeks, you're at that place where you're um, problem solving and you've got a solid routine. And that's on my website and I'd be happy to Yes, that is wonderful. Uh, I will. Yeah, I'll include all of your links in the show notes as well. So we'll make sure that we have that in there. That's wonderful. Yeah. So as you know, my listeners are all of blended families. And I really want Mm -hmm. your expertise here because one of the biggest struggles in blended families is to create rules and boundaries when children are being shuffled from home to home. And I talk a lot about us not having control over what goes on in the other home. Even if we try to get on the same page as an ex, it usually just doesn't always work. And this creates so much frustration for parents. So Casey, can you speak about this a little? Tell us how to work with this challenge. Well, a couple things come to mind. Um, I think, and this comes from my experience of being the child in a blended family, I think that it's really powerful when a parent can hold space for their kids to vent, um, to share their feelings about their experience with the other parent. I think it's equally as important that you not share your own feelings. Okay. Um, I think that validating we always want to be validating our kids, meaning like you sound really frustrated or you sound really angry. It's not the same as condoning. It's not the same as saying, um, you know, like we want them to know that they can have their feelings and that we hear them having their feelings. Right. And we can ask like, is there anything that I could do that would be helpful? Right. So I think asking permission is super important because I remember as a child, I wanted to vent, but then what would happen is my parent would take over the venting. And then all of a sudden I found myself wanting to defend the very parent that I was venting about. And it's a very precarious 
situation for a young kid to have to navigate. Um, the other piece too, is I would definitely get really clear and collaborate with the kids around what the transition of leaving looks like and what the transition of coming home looks like. So, um, and you know what I mean? Like, like when, when it's time for them to go to the other parent's house, just having some kind of ritual, some kind of um, something that they know and can count on that anchors them into that transition into the other home. And the same with when they get back to you, because, you know, I know that in many families that I work with talk about how difficult it is when their kids come home from the ex-spouse's home. And if the routines are different, if the vibe is different, then it can feel really tough those first few hours having them come back into oh, your yeah. home. That is, yeah. the, that is the hardest time for sure. So the more routine you have, the more ritual in that transition you have, those, you know, if you think about it, it's kind of a way of anchoring them in. Um, is anchoring them in, is that a good phrase? I think so. Yeah. Just kind of helping, giving them touchstones, I guess, to, okay, I'm back here. I'm with this part of my family. I know what to expect. And, you know, just being tender with them as well, because it's tough. Yeah. And to elaborate on what you said about, you know, when you want to make a safe place for your kids to come and vent to you, um, sometimes they feel uncomfortable because if they do come to you and say that they're stressed out about something that happened in the other home, then they have the guilt of feeling like mm -hmm. they're saying something that they shouldn't be saying. And so that's just yeah. another little piece of the puzzle. And so, you know, you can, you can let your children know it's okay to talk about their feelings without prying and getting personal into details, but it's okay to let them know you're frustrated without, without you reacting to it mm -hmm. by getting upset with the other parent, because that's what creates a lot of the guilt, I think, too. Yeah. And I think we can also teach our kids to make a really solid request, which could sound like, I just need to vent and I need you to listen, or I need problem solving help. Or please don't tell me what you think. I just have to get this off my chest. So if you notice that tension, right, just, you know, even later on today or, or whenever you can go to your child and say, you know, I notice that sometimes you want to talk to me about mom or you want to talk to me about dad and it's really hard and I'm, and I can understand why. And I just want you to know that I can be a listener without being a question asker. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, just, and that's what I love. It's just like, keep it real. Talk to them as, as you'd talk to your friends. I mean, if we had friends, when we have friends in predic predicaments, there were not like in there, you know, well, you should just do this and then this. And, you know, right. we listen, we right. listen. And then we ask permission when we have a question or we want to give a suggestion, treat your kids that way and things will go better. Love it. I love it so much. Okay. And so the other question here regarding blended families is this. What if, and this should be really helpful for you, for your opinion, what if the different disciplinary styles are within your own home? So now I know traditional homes can struggle a bit with this too, as not all moms and dads agree on discipline. But let's say here that we have two sets of kids from two parents who have already been raising their kids a certain way for however many years, and now they move in together, and this is going to be a mess because each parent not only feels their way is right, but now we have children living in the same house with different rules and boundaries surrounding the discipline. And it's not going to work like that. So 
what's your recommendation here to those families who are struggling to blend from different style homes? Yeah, you're screwed. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) No, I think that's a super real question. And that is something that comes up a lot with the families that I work with. Um, whether they're traditional families or blended families is the two different parenting styles. And I can see the added layer of the two different sets of kids. Um, and I think, you know, I think that for one, one thing is that kids, they're going to be okay. Right. I mean, we've all had experiences where we know that, okay, I can get away with this over here and this over here. And I have to be ever more clear and confident with this person, whereas I can get it, you know, I can be a little bit more wishy-washy here. We all have learned how to navigate the different temperaments and personalities that show up in our lives. Um, and, And the same is true for kids. So that being said, I think it is so important that parents have conversations around parenting on a regular, ongoing basis. And I don't think that anyone is right or wrong. I think that if we go into conversations trying to convince the other person why we're right and they're wrong, it's a recipe for disaster. I think that if we can lean into listening and acknowledging um, the strengths that each other brings to the relationship and brings to the parenting, and also acknowledging any fears that we have about our kids and, and really holding the space as safe mm-hmm. for each other to share, then then things are going to be okay. I think family meetings are really helpful for this. Yeah. But I, that being said, you know, like I, I've been with my husband for a long time and um, there was a point where I realized that I kept trying to invite him into conversation, not about parenting, but about, you know, just other things in life. And he did not want to step into that space because it wasn't safe because I was there ready to jump in and be really critical. Um, And so recognizing my own limiting (laughs) beliefs and my own lack of skills as far as that goes has been really helpful for the two of us to move forward as well. So, you know, if you're going into conversation attached to an outcome, you're more likely than not going to be disappointed. But if you can just really be a listener and, like I said, celebrate the strengths of each other um, and move forward together, yeah. then I think that's, the, that's you know, that's really all we can do. And just like with our kids, when we say, tell me about how that's going for you. I mean, it's the same tools that we use with the other human beings in our life. You know, we want to listen. We want to gather information. We want to use our own voice to share, you know, what's happening for us. And then we want to brainstorm for solutions. Mm-hmm. And it's always good to be open to what the other person has to say without shutting it down because yeah. our, we always think our way is the best, but sometimes it's not. And sometimes you can kind of come to a compromise to a discipline method that works for everybody in the house if you just open up and communicate about it. So that's good. This is all such wonderful information. Um, I want to change topics just a bit now. You do okay. remind me a little bit of myself in the way you try to parent by being mindful. So can mm-hmm. you explain what mindful parenting means to you? you and have you always been that way or was there a time or a moment in your life where a shift happened to create this in you? Um, I definitely have not always been mindful. Um, As I get older, I get ever more mindful for sure. 
Um, to me, mindful parenting is just being aware, right? Um, and recognizing when I'm in automatic pilot, when I'm letting my fears or control or lack feelings of lack of control, when I'm letting those things take over and guide me, when I'm letting my emotions take over and guide me, um, that never turns out well. And so being mindful means I, I pause, right? I pause. And sometimes I can catch it before I'm being a freak show and I can, you know, pause and regroup and approach the situation a different way. Other times I realize that I'm there. I've already flipped, right? The switch and I'm, you know, in my stuff. And that's when I get to decide to pause, find my feet, you know, feel my feet on the floor, take some deep breaths, make any repairs that I need to make, um, and move forward from a more mindful place. I think that anyone who says that they you know, there's no end, there's no destination, right? There's no point of like, I am mindful all the time and I never let my emotions get the better of me. Like, I just, I think that the human condition is one that we're always in the practice of being more mindful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it was, I started to do, I started um, life coach training about three years ago, and I started doing a more regular yoga practice around three years ago, but I think it was even farther back. I think it was the beginning of my um, my time with positive discipline mm-hmm. is really like the whole, the, the, it's so much bigger than the tools and the practice. It's really a mindset that um, has always encouraged me to look inward. And and it's interesting because I teach, it's a seven week class typically. And by week three, the parents come in and they say, oh, this doesn't have to do with my kids at all. This is all about me. And I laugh and I say, yeah, I can't put that on the flyer or no one would come. Right. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. So, I mean, that's probably really where it started is, <clears throat> is when I became trained. And then now I just find myself always just gravitating towards, you know, yoga, towards meditation. And it all supports me in my practice of being in relationship with my kids and my husband and and the world. Well, I really think all parents need to be mindful, but in blended family homes, it just feels almost essential. So how important do you think it is? I mean, well, you pretty much just said how important it is, but can people learn the skill of mindfulness? Oh yeah, for sure. Our brains never stop developing. And and to me, mindfulness is just the movement from oh my god, I'm freaking out to dropping into our breath. Mm-hmm. And like, oh my god, I'm freaking out is typically also coupled with a racing heart and our shoulders up and in and rigidity in the body. So, one first step would be drop your shoulders, feel your feet, like start with your body, start with your, the, the stuff that's happening in your nervous system, start with your heart. And then from there, once you have a calm body, you can slow down the chatter of your mind. And a couple of years ago, a friend of mine, cause I have been, you know, I had been playing with meditation and, um, of course, having that conversation of, Oh, I must not be doing it right. Because the whole time I'm thinking about everything I need to do all day long. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And she said, well, Case, you know, meditation isn't so much about like having 10 minutes of not thinking. Meditation is, the power of meditation is recognizing when you are thinking and slipping back into just being aware of your breath. Yeah. And when you think about it, like that movement is practice for later on in the day when something your child does triggers you and you catch yourself and you come back to breath. Right. So the practice, the daily practice of sitting in stillness and, and, and trying to release thoughts and then thinking and then releasing and then that, that whole back and forth is actually insulating the neuro pathways in your brain that are the same ones that you need when you're triggered, when you recognize you're, you know, you're triggered by your child or you're triggered by your husband or you're triggered by the dishes in the sink or whatever. Yeah. And you get to come back to that place of full awareness. Well, that is great. Honestly, Casey, I could talk to you all day. You have so much knowledge to offer, but we're running out of time. Okay. I want to talk a little bit about what else you do besides your amazing podcast. Can you tell everyone about how they can work with you more closely? What do you have to offer? Oh my gosh. I will tell everyone all there is to know. So um, I have a website, joyfulcourage.com, and um, I do... I do coaching over the phone, uh, one-on-one coaching. I also, beginning the first of the year, am opening up a membership program. So what I have found, I just finished a 10-week online course, and what I found is 10 weeks is not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what the feedback is that I'm getting parents, that they really need time to play with and digest and try on these big positive discipline concepts. Mm -hmm. And so I've created a membership site. So people sign up. And you get to pay month to month, or you can pay every three months or every six months or for the full year. And each month is a different theme. And within the month, there is going to be a live webinar. There's also going to be group coaching calls, which I have not totally figured out how this is going to work. But I want to do a call for parents with kids under five, a call for parents with school-aged kids, and a call for parents with teens. And... Um, I'm really excited about that. And there'll be weekly emails and a lively discussion forum. Um, that's my latest offer. Also on the website, I mentioned there's a family meeting e-course. I write a blog, although with the podcasting, I'm totally unmotivated to write because <laughs> I love podcasting. Um, but yeah, that's where that's kind of where you'll find everything. I also have a discussion group on Facebook called Live and Love with Joyful Courage, as well as the Joyful Courage business page on Facebook. I'm also on Instagram and Twitter at Joyful Courage and Snapchat if you want to get really crazy. Yeah. I'm on Snapchat. Well, you are doing a lot. and <laughs> Mostly because I have a teenager, so I wanted to figure it out. Well, that's how come out. I got on Snapchat recently. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. They are trying to teach me how to use it, and I'm so frustrated with it. But I'm, I'm hanging in there. I'm hanging in there with them. Hang in there. It starts to make sense after a while. <laughs> so, Casey, you also recommended a book to my listeners on positive discipline for blended families by Jane Nelson, Cheryl Irwin, and H. Stephen Glenn. And why did you recommend this book? I recommended this book. Well, first of all, I know two of the three authors pretty darn well, and they're amazing human beings. Um, But this takes all the positive discipline concepts 
and puts them within the context of the blended family. So some of the things that um, are talked about in this book specifically are, you know, how to handle exes, how to handle um, the the weekend visits. I think back when they wrote this, it was the weekend. I know things look different sometimes now with blended right. families. Um, but I think that it's really, there's a lot of things that are covered in this book that are just specific to blended families. And Jane Nelson, again, who is the founder of the program, she herself raised a blended family. Oh, okay, good. So that's probably a really Oh, I good hope I'm telling the out. truth. I think she had a blended family. <laughs> Well, that's okay. Regardless, that regardless, it'll be a great book because it does. It takes everything that you talked about today and puts puts the focus on a blended family. So that you guys definitely want to check out. Um, before we go, Casey, do you have any final advice or words of encouragement or anything else you'd like to share that we didn't touch on? Oh man, I just you know I, I we I, people do better when they feel better, and typically misbehavior is a result of discouragement. And I think that um, it can be really discouraging at times to be a parent, um, especially a parent who maybe is trying to connect with a stepchild who seems really resistant. And I just want to send out so much love and positive vibes and encouragement to every parent that's listening. And just know that the power of relationship is so strong. And what feels like maybe you're not getting through or or you're not connecting, just remember to look for the baby steps. Look for the moments, you know, look for the minutes instead of the whole day where you're feeling connected to your kids. And, you know, it's not forever. And I love my stepmom and I could not stand her when I was a kid. So that's encouraging. <laughs> <There's> that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And so and joyfulcourage.com, is that the best place for people to find you in your work? That is the best place. Great. And for the listeners, I will add all of Casey's links in the show notes for you. I highly recommend connecting with her if you need help with positive discipline. Not only that, her podcast is a must for all parents, so definitely check it out. Casey, thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Melissa, thank you so much. This is a blast. Listeners, I will be back next week with another show. Thanks for listening. Bye. You have been listening to the Blended Family Podcast. For more information, please visit the website at blendedfamilypodcast.com. Remember, to create the peaceful home you desire, all you need is love.